so stupid, he comes across in front of me every single time he ever takes. Where does he want me to go off the track? No! For a certain someone on this show, I've been waiting four years to say this. All hail Lord Binder. Welcome back to Motorsport 101. That was exciting. Okay, everybody, welcome back to episode 253 of Motorsport 101. I'm your friendly neighbour, Mr. Andre Harrison. Thanks for joining us, as always. With me this time around to get through this absolutely stacked show is Mr. Cam Buckley. Hello, sir. Hello, listeners. I'm just uh, busy sharpening my collection of knives to threaten Rene Rast with. After the outcome of the most recent Formula E race. Remember, you can watch all episodes of Tempelhof Nights on YouTube.com forward slash Motorsport 101. I'd expect nothing less, Cam. RJ O'Connell, hello, sir. Hi. Um, feeling very much discriminated against that I'm not between the ages of 18 to 24 and not British, French, or German, so that way I can have my moment in the sun as an official <laughs> on-air talent in a racing series. Ugh, sigh. Sorry, you know, that's not a very positively charged outcome. <sighs> Again, all episodes of Temple Hop Nights, <laughs> youtube.com forward slash motorsport 101. But uh, Dre, and, and I'm sure you'll agree, uh, we're saving the best introduction for last. Indeed, uh, because uh, I don't normally uh, will save this person's intro till last, but I thought it was a, it would be fitting given the main event topic of the show this week. And the fact that, uh, little known fact, it's his birthday today. So hello, Mr. Ryan King. Happy birthday, sir. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm glad to be here. Interesting week so far. (laughs) Oh, man. I I didn't didn't think KTM would be getting a win this season. If someone told me that it it would take four years for KTM to get a top-class win, I'd be like, are you sure about that? (laughs) And I didn't think it would be Brad Bender to be the person to get that win. No, me neither. Uh, <laughs> sadly, we could praise the Lord. Sadly, we couldn't. Bo- <laughs> we couldn't get Marilyn Monroe to sing King Happy Birthday, but we all did it in the Discord instead before we started recording. It's uh, it's it is terribly embarrassing, and thank God nobody recorded it. Um, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> There's still time for us to do the Stevie Wonder version of Happy Birthday. Happy birthday to you, King. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Hashtag Stevie ain't blind. Anyway. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my <laughs> fucking god, Greg. We do anyway. not cons- condone conspiracies. <laughs> says says Mr. Tinfoil Hat from last episode. Right. Whoa. Right. Whoa. <laughs> You, you you don't get to go there on this one, King. I'm, I'm allowed one free conspiracy theory entertainment, because if you can, I can too. Anyway, on this week's show, MotoGP is on crack. Um, yet... <laughs> what, like, what better explanation have we got for the, for the Czech Republic Grand Prix? Um, <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong, but you didn't have to say it. Like... Look, Johan Zarco qualifying on pole was only the second craziest thing to happen this weekend. 
Let's put it to you that way. Um, it was wild, to say the least. It turns out that the uh, stories that get told in the MotoGP paddock are a lot more fun once you take out Marc Marquez. Who would have thought it? So we'll talk about that. <laughs> the the uh, 40-1 to 1 winner going into the weekend, a certain Brad Binder, another young man's first podium finish. Um, and a return of another podium finish as well for some guy called Johan Zarco. Remember him? Um, all of that. We're talking about Alex Rins, Rossi, Miguel Oliveira's best ever finish. Avintia season. Avintia season is here, everybody. There's something in there for you to hear me say on this podcast this year. Because this sport is crazy. Um, we'll also talk about Moto2. As Enea Bastianini takes the championship lead with back-to-back victories. Sam Lowe's with his first GP podium in Donkey's years. And more hype from RJ O'Connell because we have an American on the podium again. Hooray! Oh, no, yeah. no, no. It's it's me and King and Cam as well. And yep. it's not the only time we're going to hype up Americans in developmental series. <laughs> Hooray! Big weekend for America. Yeah, another big weekend for America. And Moto3 as well, where we had another new first-time winner is Dennis Foggia took his first Grand Prix victory in a colossal scrap at the front for the podium because, hey, it's Moto3. Why are you surprised at this point? We'll also talk about some irrelevant 17th anniversary Grand Prix where, oh my God, Max Verstappen won. What? Um, what? Mercedes' perfect season is in the drink once again. Yeah, Merck's, <laughs> Merck's coughed one up again. What? At this point, it's actually quite a surprise in itself. The yearly token meltdown where they still finish second and third. Right. What, what a terrible result for Mercs. I mean, shit, they were crying about it on Twitter for slits. Tough day at the office. Damn. <laughs> like, you, know, you know it's bad when Lewis Hamilton still took the first place trophy on the podium because he's just so used to winning at this point. That just kind of says it all for Mercedes uh, right, right now. Well, like, oh my god, he only finished in second. What a bastard. Um, second, Bottas oh, third. Charles Leclerc, so slow he can make a one-stopper work. Um, he finished in fourth. We'll talk about that. We'll break down the rest of the field. We get to talk about Ferrari's biggest strategic blunder yet. Oh, no. Yes, because this team still finds new ways of shit in the bed. I do not know how, but they can, they, like, you know, they, they find a way, you know, where the quote, you know you messed up was uttered by one of their drivers. I don't think you need me to tell you who. Um, we'll talk about Nico Hulkenberg as well and how the uh, the simping for the podium is over, but it was a fun time anyway. Uh, all of that. No, we don't know. Perez still needs to test negative a couple times. He'll yep. be fine. Probably. Maybe. Um, let's, <laughs> Probably. Let's just say Hulk is in my orca, just in case. Um, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> We'll also break down all the support series as well, Formulas 2 and 3, and if we get enough time, we'll break into World Superbikes as well, because, hey, normal service resumed, triple header for Jonathan Ray. I know, you're all shocked. So, places you could find Dread this it. real quick. Uh, Ride from it. <laughs> It is inevitable. Uh, yes. Uh, so, places you can find us real quick. YouTube.com for Touch Better Sport 101, as RJ alluded to twice. Templehof Nights will will be all out in full by the time this episode goes public. I was on episode three earlier this week with Stuart Garlic. I will also be on episode four uh, later on this week with King and Hazel. Like I, I'm just letting down the all-star team of Formula E journalists, to be honest with you. I don't know why. I, I got invited to this one. Yeah, episode... Episode 3, or as Rezzy in our Discord put it, The Temple in the Hoff, Berlin Drift. Oh, <laughs> oh, I hate you 
Um, <laughs> we're on facebook.com forward slash motorsport 101. We're on Twitter, motorsport underscore 101. And if you'd like to follow our personal handles, you can at Harrison101HD, at Ryan Eric King, at cbuckley 917 and at RJ O'Connell. Thanks to everyone that's been following on Motorsport 101. We just hit 800 followers today, so thank you, everybody. Much appreciated. Thank you so much. I will shitpost on there much more frequently. Also, I should probably give King the keys to that <laughs> account by now, because he's more organized than I am, bless his heart. Um, although, I'm not sure, like... I'm not sure giving the account like what, what, what that's not safe is it like is it like I'm not sure well <laughs> you're never too far from the big red button no never oh, and that's man. always a that's always a worrying sign I don't know what king could do on when, when, when unleashed on on a giant red button like he does for our discord server hey who knows anyway hey I I, I, I don't I don't violently kick out he stands here <laughs> oh dear that's one for the discorders uh, if I speak, I am in trouble. <laughs> Before we get started, um, just want to touch on it because we've discussed it in Temple Hoff by, Temple Hoff Nights by now. Congratulations, new Formula E world champion, Antonio Felix da Costa. Yes, yes congrats to Adak for bringing home the bacon. Um, and basically kicking everybody's butt in Berlin. It helps. Uh, so congrats to him. Again, we'll break it oh, all yeah. down in much more detail on Temple Hot Fights. It's, just, it's, it's, it's a cheeky way of saving at least 10 minutes on the podcast. Go us. You can find all of our stuff on motorsport101.com, including two new written articles by yours truly. Um, one on Valtteri Bottas, King was reading with tears in his eyes, and another one breaking down the 17th anniversary in British Grand Prix. You're welcome. And if you really, really like us, you can back us financially on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash Motorsport 101. $5 gets you early access to all of our shows. $10 gets you early access to our Discord server. Early access to our Discord server? It's the supporters club of our Discord server, excuse me. Um, where you can listen to these shows live as they go out. And get early access to all the shows when they are now being recorded via YouTube. You'll get them as soon as they are done. Hooray! So that's all that fun stuff. Um, yeah, so... Without further ado, off this quick musical interlude, we'll be back to talk about the Tomoto GP Czech Republic Grand Prix. All hail Lord Binder. I've known King nearly nine years, I've never seen him this happy. For anything. Like, King, gush about your mans for a minute. You've earned it. Well, the, the, the thing is, I don't get to gush that much. Because this was the first MotoGP race this season that I didn't watch live. What? No, you what? see, that's, what? That's, that's how it works. <laughs> of course, the one race that he didn't get up early for, KTM wins. Inarguably one of the craziest races of the year so far. In all motorsports. Arguably. Yeah, it's up there. Arguably. A Vintia on pole! Yeah, as mentioned, the, the craziness started on Saturday. Because, like, again, I was at work watching this as it was happening. I was on my phone, I got a tweet, so I, I had to turn off my BT Sports stream for a minute. Then I, I log back in, and I see a, a crashed Quattararo and Johan Zarco on pole. So, and I was just like, wait a minute! <laughs> like, <laughs> like, what, what just happened? Why is that? this is the same Johan Zarco that desperately tried to get his way out of a KTM factory deal that ended up on Avintia, the worst team 
year to year that's still on the grid. Yeah. And he's yeah. on pole. On a year old bike. Oh, yeah, on the 2019 Desmond Deshi. And I love that Vic in our Discord said, I had to text straight to make sure it wasn't a gotcha moment. He's absolutely right. He did actually text me while I was at work. I was like, no, he's not joking. He really is on pole. Um, nobody had an arc. Like, it's... We should, we should also... We should follow up on some, uh, some of that news about Mark Marquez and his arm. Yeah. Go on, Cam. Because the reason... The reason that that plate broke in his arm is one for the ages. Alberto comes out in the media, I believe it was last Thursday, of course the day after we recorded. Yeah. And says, Mark broke the plate, opening a window at home. We didn't believe him. We didn't believe him. Nobody believed him. (laughs) Every journalist in the paddock said, you're full of shit. He heard it in Hareth. Hareth 2, I should say. And then... Alex Marquez comes out and says, no, guys, we're not kidding. That actually happened. He was walking the dogs. He was used his right arm to close a sliding window, and it broke the titanium plate in his arm. How does a titanium plate break open in a door? They are very thin and very brittle. Oh, Lord of mercy. <laughs> Welcome them. Add this to the list of bizarre sports injuries, like Hall of Fame pitcher John Smoltz suffering burns that put him on the injured list while he was wire- wearing a shirt and ironing it at the same time. <laughs> Don't do that. Don't no, you see, do no, that. No, you see, that is natural selection. Like, 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 like I was saying, that's Darwinism. That ain't, that ain't weird injuries. That's just stupidity. Like, what was he thinking? Okay, Time to iron my shirt. Yeah. I was like, all, all so that, okay, result, he made the Hall of Fame. I was like, all, all that, all that, all, all that time Nate Burleson broke, like all that time Nate Burleson broke his hand slipping trying to collect a takeaway pizza. <laughs> oh my god! So as a result of that, Marquez required a second surgery to put another plate in his arm. He is ruled out until Masano at the earliest. Get well soon, uh, Mark, and uh, get a thicker plate in there next time, you silly man. Right. Um, <laughs> Back to the weekend. Johan Zarco, pole! Like Brad Binder qualified seventh. He only made Q2 on the fact that Takanakagami had his fastest lap taken away in Q1 for exceeding track limits. Was this foreshadowing? He would later yeah. qualify in seventh. And uh, Paul Espargaro. Paul Espargaro on the other KTM only just missed out on the front row due to a track limits infringement. Yeah, had his time taken away. So the front row was Zarco Quattararo, who crashed trying to improve his time at the end <laughs> of the session, and Frankie Morbidelli, who'd been fast pretty much all weekend, um, eight thousandths behind him on the front row in third. And then Alicia Spargaro, who openly admitted he was pretty much tubbing off anybody he could find for the whole weekend in four for the <laughs> yeah, Aprilia. The, um, Good strat. Yeah, for all that hype, the this new Aprilia... It's damn fast in the corners, but down the straights, it has an Italian hamster on a wheel. Lovely. For a V4 mm. engine. Very high, high power indeed. Maverick Vineyard is fifth. Paul Spagger rounding off the front two rows. Uh, as mentioned, Brad Binder seventh. Um, remember that. It becomes important later. So we get into the race, and, like, Crotteraro, like, he isn't, like, as far up as he normally is. Frankie Morbidelli gets the whole shot, and I want to say it was... Pole and then Zarko in the lead group. Yeah, um, Johan Zarko got like what's the opposite of a whole shot because he was down in six by the end of the first lap. He did the Mark Webber, albeit without the transphobia. Yeah, pretty much. 
Morbid, it's Morbidelli, Aleish, Corderar, your top three, pull fourth, Bender jumps up two spots in the fifth, and then it settles into a Patronus Yamaha SRT 1-2 for the next handful of laps. Yeah. Um, yep. Until we find out that, hang on a minute, Corderaro isn't running away with this one like he's done the last two times. If anything... He's sinking yeah, further Morbidelli was back. leaving him behind. Yeah, Morbidelli was gone. He had like a 1.3 second advantage in hand over the field. And Quattararo was sinking further back into the clutches of the second group, which was both KTMs by now. And Johan Zarco had pieced, back, pieced himself back together and rebuilt after his, his shaky start. Um, so Quattararo could not hold on. I think it was tyre compound choice that did him in um, on, on that one. It just seemed like... The 2020 Yamahas, uh, they just weren't very kind to their rear tires early on. Really, any of the Yamahas, but especially the new bike. Yeah, like mm. like the, one of the big uh, analytical breakdowns that BT Sport was using for the weekend came from Cal Crutchlow. Cal Crutchlow said on Friday that the tires would be three seconds a lap slower at the end of the race compared to the start of the race, and that after lap 15, everybody's kind of in unknown territory because that was about the limit of what the long runs people were doing were, because Bruno's a long track. It's a it's a one minute fifty five lap at full speed. It's nearly a two minute lap. So, and, well, and not only that, but um, there was a lot of complaints during the weekend about the track surface. Where in Jerez, people were going down because of the sheer heat of the track surface. Mm. The Bruno, um, there was pits and holes all over the track in multiple areas. Oh, you got a lot. Bruno is not very well maintained. It's kind of in the middle of nowhere. I would know. I went to it. Um, it's in the middle of nowhere. It's not a very popular venue in terms of overall racing series and whatnot. So it's not as much maintained as other venues, shall we say. It's a shame that it isn't yeah, because track. this track, it really is a great track. I do just wish it was well kept up better. Indeed. Yeah. Well, better kept there's, up. Because there's no money out talk. there. Like they've, they've struggled for its spot on, on the calendar for many a year. I mean, thankfully, there's a new long-term deal, I believe, in place. Um, but as Lewis said in the chat, they're skint, so they can't really maintain it like they would certain other places that are more popular. But as we saw... Crotteraro shuffled him back through the field. Brad Binder's coming through. He's now second. And we're sitting here going, oh my god, like KTM on the podium. We could have two KTMs on the podium. Like, because Paul Espagro was... In fact, we had. We had two KTMs on the podium for all of about half a lap. Yeah, Paul Espagro takes Johan Zarco up the hill. He's He's now running in third place. Um, now, there was an incident at turn one, which was probably the big, you know, flashpoint of the race in, in the leading group, where Zarco has taken his standard racing line into turn one. Now, Bruno at turn one is a very long, sweeping, medium-speed right-hander. It goes on forever. Oh, yeah. There is multiple ways to skin that cat. Paul Spagaro tried to go the long way around. He turned into the apex late. Paul seemingly forgot that Johan Zarco was still there. And they make contact, and Paul Spagaro goes down. And it's just like, oh, no. Oh, man. And this is yeah. right after Aker Laquona went out, too. Yeah, this yeah, was... Yeah, he, um, he was with uh, Mir. He, uh, yeah, he took out Mir. Yeah. Mir and Laquona went down first. Then 10 minutes later and halfway into the race, we have the Spagaro zarco dust-up. Which uh, was investigated, and uh, you're not going to believe this, but uh, Johan Sarko was found to be at fault. Nonsense. Which made no goddamn sense, because 
how are you going to blame the guy who held his line in the turn and couldn't disappear? That 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 was deemed irresponsible riding from the stewards. It's the literal name of the penalty. It was deemed irresponsible riding from Johan Zarco and was given a long lap penalty. Universally panned. Casey Stoner went ape shit on Twitter over this. Stoner penalty. lost his mind. Like, like <laughs> could never... he, half of the words were misspelled in the tweet. He was so mad. <laughs> yeah, he was like, like wow. you know. That's how you know it's an angry tweet. Then he pretty much bashes out the keyboard. That looks right. Says. He tagged, he tagged the wrong Zarko on Twitter. And he, and he said, and I quote, that's disgraceful, MotoGP. I did not make that up. <laughs> At Zarko, which is not his official username on Twitter, did nothing wrong. If you run wide, you cannot expect to cut back to the curb without anyone being there. Terrible call from the officials. And uh, Paolo Chibati actually agreed. Chibati was livid after that call. Yeah, are we are we all in agreement that that was a bullshit, a yeah. bullshit call? It should have been horrendous. Of, of, of course, yeah, yeah. yeah. Giannis, Giannis charged the Celtics, and Johan Zarco was not at fault for that incident. Yeah, although it did lead to Johan Zarco taking the most aggressive. Ten yep. tenths long lap penalty in MotoGP history. It yeah, he rode around the outside of the corner on the long lap, straddling the line as close as possible with the bike squirming the whole time under the throttle. If if if, if art verifier was on Twitter, he, they would deem it as art. It was a, it, hang it in the Louvre. Next to the Mona Lisa. It was beautiful. It got a round of applause from me when I was at work watching. I was just like, go on, Zarko. That's beautiful. That was that was amazing. Phenomenal job on the long lap. And that ultra-aggressive long lap kept him ahead of Quartararo. Yeah. He, 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 it kept him in third place on the road afterwards. Um, yeah, like Zarko. If you haven't seen it, it's, it's on MotoGP's Instagram. Go find it. It's well worth the twenty seconds of your time. It's it like it's the it's the bottom end of the hill at turn six. It's a long sweeping left hander. It's it, the long laps all the way around the outside there. It's you can see the dirt being kicked up as he rides through it because no one is 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 on that part of the track at all. And he absolutely nails it. It's beautifully done. Um, Johan yeah. Zarco, uh, like painter. Uh, like Bob Ross would have been proud of that one. Um, brilliant. Chef's kiss. Oh, beautiful. Meanwhile, up at the front, um, that, that gap between Morbidelli and Bender, that's that's shrinking, not growing. Yeah. Once once Bender got past Corderaro, Bender started gaining. And yeah, gaining Morbidelli. and gaining. And we're thinking, there's no way. There's no freaking way he's going to do this. Yeah. And, and, and t- until he did. Um, <laughs> Brad Binder goes yeah. down the inside. I mentioned it with the uh, I mentioned it with the 2020 Yamahas. It seemed like the 2019 Yamaha took longer to burn its rear tire off. Yeah, but Morbidelli went from holding the gap to losing a tenth or two to losing time hand over fist. Yeah, pretty much. It was like, and uh, yeah, that's that's what led to a relatively comfortable pass for Brad Binder. And by the time we got to the end of the race, he was comfortably in front. He ended up winning. By 5.2 seconds in the end. It was a uh, beat him down Lord worthy. Lord Bender! But, uh, Lord Bender has arrived! Oh. Happy birthday, King! <laughs> That's oh, King's birthday man. present. <laughs> yeah, Lewis said himself, Binder was so much quicker on the way into corners, it was unreal. Completely agreed. His, en- his entry speed was insane. He was visibly quicker than the majority of the field in the second half of that race. I mean, 
King, how'd you, how'd you feel on that one, buddy? Oh, when, when I woke up, saw the result, I went back to sleep because I didn't believe it. I thought I was still asleep. <laughs> no, but, no tell, tell the audience, tell our adoring yep. audience what you put in the Discord server. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Am I awake? Did that just happen? <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, like, no, we, 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 we had to tell him, yes, King, it's happened. Brad Binder has won. And... And yeah, like I I openly said straight up, um, you know, on Twitter at the time that on a personal level I'm delighted for Brad Binder. I've said it before on Bike Live, and Lewis will attest to this in the Discord. He is one of the most disgustingly humble dudes you will ever meet in your life. I met him in Brno a couple of years ago again. Um, stopped, you know, he, he stopped, you know, he didn't, he had to, he had, he had to give me a quick fist because he was on the way to a team debriefing, so he didn't have time to stop for a photo, completely understandable, um, he is an incredibly nice man, I know it's easy to say when people gush about people's first wins, but this is genuine, he is such a lovely man, and, I like how he put it, um, after the win, where he said, I never, I, I never start out in a new class as the fastest, <laughs> but I always want to make progress, <laughs> But that's the thing. We, we we saw it in Haref. He had flashes where he was running yeah. leader's pace. This is not a complete surprise that Binder would, would win yeah. a Grand Prix because the pace has been there from day one with Brad Binder. Yeah, it's just been it's just been a case of putting a race together for whichever KTM rider. No, like I said, delighted. They've had the speed. Like I said, delighted for him. Absolutely delighted for him. One of the real genuinely great dudes in the MotoGP paddock. I remember when we interviewed him on Bike Live. He thanked us for the interview. He's just that sort of guy, and uh, he's a stand-up dude. And like, well, I-, I watched him in the second half of that race, and I can't believe I'm saying this. He reminded me of Casey Stoner. His riding style, his sliding through the corners, it was like watching Casey again. And um, that's about as big a compliment as I can pay him. Um, astonishing win, astonishing win, and uh, the scariest part is, as Lewis points out, Valentino Rossi, according to Lewis, was adamant that it would have been a one-two finish for KTM if Paul Spagaro had stayed on his bike. My, they had so much more pace. Paul was lapping quicker than Brad when he went down, and it could have very easily been a one-two finish for KTM, and King would have exploded in a part of his own bodily fluids if that had actually happened. Uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't be here right now. <laughs> it was just one or two years ago when if a KTM got into a podium place or qualified on the front row, that was something of a miracle. Well, two years ago, they, they were clearly making progress. And then last year, we had the saga of them having to pull bolts out of the frame. Yeah. To make it flex correctly. Yeah, I remember. Last year they took a huge step backwards. And they only had the the one big flashpoint, which was the front row start they had at Masato that year when Polar Spagger, I think, qualified second that day. Um and he wasn't able to carry it into the race. There's two big differences now for KTM. One is that they hired, as we said on this show, maybe the greatest rider to never win a championship, Danny Pedrosa from the Honda mm. Racing Corporation. And he was adamant for years with Honda that they needed to make the bike more user-friendly. Yeah. Well, he took what he wanted to do, and he took it to KTM. And along with that, KTM threw out their entire frame design from last year. Last year was steel trellis. Mm. This year it was steel. This year it's steel beams. They look similar. Structurally, the bike is quite different. It's almost a bit of a hybrid between their old idea 
and a more traditional one. Yeah. And that bike looked good. It did. Like Lewis points out again, big thing with KTM was previously the bike wasn't great and Paul was taking it to places like it didn't belong. Now they're all super quick and that's the level of the bike now. And we'll get more into that when we break down the full results because... Like, this wasn't the only top-tier story in the field. After a couple of years of trying, second place for Frankie Morbidelli, his first Grand Prix podium. Damn time. Superb. superb damn time. Frankie. About damn time. It, it has been overdue. Frankie's had top five level pace for a good year now, and he, I think he's been waiting for this breakthrough race. He, and again, not a fluke. Was fast all weekend. Led practice sessions. Up there on the timing sheets all the way through the weekend. Yeah, for all this time, he's been overshadowed by what Fabio's been doing. This weekend, he walked up and he was beating Fabio. Yeah. All weekend. Yeah. Except for qualifying, and that was a small margin between them. Eight thousandths. Um, interesting point from Lewis saying, can't shake the feeling Franco lost his biggest chance for a win he may ever get. Maybe. Uh, but that Yamaha is quick. I'd I think not. that was I think that was out of his hands that day though. Yeah, that was that was no answer for the KTM's all around here today. But uh, still, you got to take him where you can get him. It's really. so weird to say. Yeah, it's like Frank. It's like Frankie was second. He may never win. <laughs> Great job, Frankie. No, but he had no answer for the KTM's. No, what year is this? This is a only in twenty twenty. This is a strange. It's like, oh man, this is Supercross. <laughs> yeah, this is strange. On the f uh, on the last step of the podium for Avincia on last year's Ducati, Johan Zarco of all people. <laughs> what? <laughs> this sp this sport is on crack. Welcome to 2020. What what is happening? Yeah, nice nice uh no nice 2016 Moto Two podium. I don't understand. Yeah. I just don't understand this. Johan Zarco is so upside down. <laughs> the only Ducati that seems to understand these new Michelin's around here, because every other Ducati was barely in the top ten or worse. We'll get to that in a minute. But Zarco, well, I don't want to. Again, we're gonna have to talk later about a certain Ducati that uh mm. oh. More on that very shortly, but uh, yeah, as mentioned by Lewis, Peko not being here probably might have made Zarko look a little flattering, but still, for, for given he's on last year's bike, that's a phenomenal effort yeah. from, from your hands, Zarko, and a reminder that he's still a damn good bike rider when his head's screwed on properly. Yeah, just in case you forgot, when we saw Johan Zarko on a satellite Yamaha, this guy's pretty good. He is very good. And yeah. let's, not, let's not forget, this would have been a bigger story this weekend if it wasn't for the three dudes in front of him. Alex Rins, who had a broken and dislocated collarbone three weeks ago. Shoulder. Fourth. Like... It was his shoulder. Yeah, the whole shoulder went. Three weeks later, yeah. fourth. A tenth off a podium finish. Huh? Best best factory rider, no less. Yeah. Rins was top factory runner. What the hell is going on? <laughs> like... I, I, I don't understand this. Like, like Rins, superhuman from, to come from 11th to 4th like that... It, Again, he, he makes life hard for himself sometimes with, with his qualifying pace. But his Look, race he has an excuse. Yeah, he has an He's excuse. He's on like 1.7. He's got 1.7 arms right now. He has an excuse. Indeed. 1.7 arms. <laughs> like, he got a stand innovation from the Suzuki garage when he pulled his bike in and much deserved because... Uh, he was he was he was phenomenal. Um, again, would have but it would have been an even bigger story if it wasn't for the three dudes in front of him, because this has been a strange weekend. Uh, mm. Valentino Rossi uh, in fifth in the end, just a solid ride from him, all things considered. Um, Rossi just really, really great in the second half of the race. Yeah, very fast in the second half of the race. He was able to hold off 
A career high finish in sick for Miguel Oliveira on the Tech 3 KTM. More KTM goodness. King, the has, King has such a shitty grin on his face right now. Yeah, yeah, oh, I, I wish we were on YouTube. I've never seen him grin like a Cheshire cat so goddamn hard in my life. It's amazing. It is amazing. Drink it in! Uh, oh, man. I, I think that's Miguel Oliveira's best ever finish in the top flight in P6. That's a phenomenal effort from Miguel Oliveira. Another guy, super fast all weekend. And, uh, yeah, on on the second tier KTM. That's uh, that's very impressive, um, especially given that the next man in the queue was Fabio Cotteraro, four seconds down the road in seventh. Yeah. Uh, Takanakagami. melted down. Yeah, Takanakagami, best Honda in eighth. Kind of says a lot, really. Uh, More on uh, that in a minute. Yeah. Jack Miller in ninth. Alicia Spagaro did still get a top 10 finish in the end. He just lost out to Miller in a drag race over the line by six hundredths of a second. But Alicia in the top 10, not a bad result for Aprilia. That was the theme of Aprilia's race. They were running, I think Alicia was running second at the end of the first lap and just got drag raced every straight. Ooh. Well, at least the bike doesn't handle like garbage. It just needs a lot more horsepower. It's like the opposite of the Ducati. Right. It, it's yeah. the McLaren Honda. It is the McLaren Honda of MotoGP. Yeah. Moto2 engine? Moto2? <laughs> Moto2. <laughs> Moto2 engine. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. And then it's funny because he still finished a 1.4 seconds ahead of Andrea De Vizioso in 11th. What? This was bad. This is bad. This is very, very bad. Dude, this was not a good week to be a factory rider with any ambitions of dethroning Mark Marquez after several near misses. Oh, boy. Yeah, um, the 2020 Ducatis just... And this went for the Premac boy as well on uh, with Jack Miller. They just could not make this new rear tire work. Yeah, Dovey started 18th on the grid. His worst ever qualifying in MotoGP. He would finish in 11th. And uh, it wasn't a good sign when I saw Simon Patterson tweet after the race that uh, he got flashbacks to Argentina 2016 when Andrea only lost his job after that plow job he did on him and Davizioso at the time. Um, Someone had a very good point. Why would you, if you're Ducati right now, why would you pay Davi what he wants when you could... Hire Johan Zarco and still probably lose the championship to a healthy Mark Marquez. <laughs> uh, it, it, it doesn't make sense for them right now if he's performing like this. Yeah, like the last two weekends, Dovi's lost pretty much all his leverage here. Like he's he's got none now. Like like either you're taking a pay cut, if you're taking a pay cut, Dovi, or you're gonna have to be booted out of this team because they're not here for eleventh. They're not here for twelfth either because that's where his teammate Dino Petrucci ended up. Um, yeah, not good. especially when uh, last year, you know, he had a yawning chasm in form between himself and Petrucci. This year, they're a bit closer, and Jack Miller, as far as I'm concerned, is beating them both pretty bad. Austria is now probably a must-win for Dovi. If, 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 if not, kiss the championship goodbye, and maybe kiss your job goodbye. Yeah, same, same with every Ducati rider. They have to perform at Austria because that is Ducati land. Yeah, because that all, is where their bike has been its best for four years. But all of a sudden, Pecco and Miller look like, like the fastest Ducatis right now. Miller just beat them. Yeah, I was about to say, again. if Pecco was, if Pecco wasn't hurt, we need to get to damn. that. It hurts. Uh, um, speaking of Ducatis, 
Pecco had an enormous crash in FP1, mm-hmm. broke his tibia, damaged his knee. He was out for the weekend, and he's probably going to be out for longer. He had Damn one it. good race. He had one good race in MotoGP. His engine failed, and the racing gods decided, yeah, you know what? That's all you get. I've been told most likely he will miss both races in Austria as well. Um, Damn, man. Uh, Justice, it was getting good. He finally started to come good on this damn thing. Yeah, he uh, at this point he's absolutely he absolutely will not race this weekend in race one in Austria because Michele Piro is coming in. Whoop whoop! It's the sound of the police. Um, had to get that one in. Um, but yeah, get well soon, Pecco. Good God damn, we did not need that injury. Ah, uh, for the love of God, it's it's the worst. Um, so yeah, uh, get well soon, Pecco. Running up the the rest of the rest of the finish real quick. Um, Cal Crutchlow in thirteenth, not great. Maverick Vinales down the field in fourteenth. Yeesh. Yeah, continuing our theme of factory riders aspiring to dethrone Mark Marquez and blowing it this weekend. Beyond that, you know, we talk about we we were joking that Rossi's speed wasn't there in uh, Hareth too, but he could hold Vinales back this weekend. Just. I, I say it again, Vinales, Vinales is king of the hypotheticals. On paper, he should win every race, and he never does. Right. When he wants to, he has the race crap, but it's like he gets in his own head every race now. If he can't break away at the front. It's like for a time, ice hockey player Pavel Datsuk of the Detroit Red Wings, the most skilled forward in the league, but he never had like an extraordinary goal-scoring season. Unless Vinales can get out front and and just get into his rhythm, he's nowhere. He's not just unable to pass someone. He drops down the field. Apparently, he, he apparently he changed rear tires last minute as well while he was on the grid, and he got it wrong. He went from soft to medium apparently on the rear, and that's what did him in. Because Frankie, who was way faster than him, was on the soft rear, and the softs held up better because Maverick struggles with wheel spin. Um, it, it's it's kind of weird how sometimes you're actually better off going for a softer tire because the harder tire causes more wheel spin, and when you wheel spin, it actually burns your tires out faster than just well, having like, the tire with more grip. It's weird. It's <laughs> like what we'll get to that in the F1 segment later on because mm. oh boy, tire controversy. Oh boy, that's a fun one. Unless Vinales can get on top of this, indeed. Fabio's going to eat him alive next year and in the same hey. team. Indeed, that's going to be a problem. Yeah, like, as Lewis pointed out, he crashed about two minutes into FP1 and never really looked comfortable afterwards. Very strange weekend from Maverick Vinales, and one he'll want to forget very quickly. Alex Marquez in 15th place gets the last point. Tito Rabat 16th. Bradley Smith 17th for Aprilia. And Stefan Bradl down the order. We're filling in for Marquez this weekend, obviously going forward. Sai. Hey, Alberto. Missing Mark. <laughs> I bet he is. I think he is. Uh, <laughs> fun banter between MotoGP journalists during the weekend. Uh, Repsol Hondo are a mess. Mm. It's almost like relying on perhaps the most extraordinary motorcycle rider we've ever seen to mask the, fi- the fact that uh, the front of your bike is ruined. Mm. Isn't a good strategy when that guy breaks his arm. No. Uh, look, look, man, at least they had Bertrand Baguette, Kodai Sukakoshi in Super GT, and two people we'll talk about later on in this podcast to help lift their spirits a little. Some, something occurred to me earlier today that thanks to a British Superbike 1-2, 
the new Fireblade has a win before Honda's MotoGP bike this year. <laughs> Good God. Good God. And I don't see right. that. I, me. <laughs> Honda got a win in Formula One this year before they did in MotoGP. How? I, I don't think, like, you're going to have to go back to the 80s and the 500cc two strokes to get an equivalent of that. <laughs> That's just ridiculous. And I don't see it happening this year. Oh I really don't. God. Maybe t- if if Taka can clean his weekends up, he might sneak a win if if the sky falls. That's yeah. about it. King, I move the motion that we replace weekly Ferrari therapy with weekly Honda therapy. Yeah, Cam needs it by the looks of it. Um. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, uh, I'm, re- I'm really going through it right now. Between that... Between Rene Rast, <laughs> really going through it. Uh, Look, we got to keep it going, but yeah, it's bad. Three non-finishes in the end. Paul Spagaro, as mentioned, with his uh, little excursion to the apex. And Michael Aquona took out Joanne Mir, unfortunately, early doors. So that was that was the three DNFs on that one. Championship standards, Fabio Quattararo's championship lead has actually been pushed out further to 17 points now. This mostly due to Maverick's bad day. A day from hell, and he's still comfortably in second place. Maverick second on 42. Yep. Frankie Morbidelli ahead of Dovi on count back, both on 31 points. Frankie obviously breaking the tie on second places. Um, Brad Binder is now fifth on 28 points ahead of Johan Zorko on count back, because this year is crazy. Uh, as of today's recording, Brad Binder is 8-1 to one to win the title on Skybat. Yeah. Dare I say it. Is Brad Bender going to come to regret the bad couple of opening races? Oh, man. Dare I say it? Where he had pace. Oh, man. uh, 31 points is nothing the way this season's going. Honestly, there there is a viable shout that if Bender didn't have his errors in her F, he'd be second in the championship right now. There's a viable argument that if KTM can reproduce this pace on a regular basis... Look Binder out. might actually make a run at this title. Don't forget, Paul's not a mi- Paul, Paul's only nine points behind Brad. Like, don't let don't let the gap in the in the leaderboard fool you. It's I close say, down there. Is is Paul is Paul going to regret binning himself off of Zarco? Uh, uh, potentially. Yeah, Paul, went full, Paul, Paul went full old man this weekend, complaining about yellow flag rules and that Zarco incident. He blamed Zarco, which of what. That was cute. Um, basically. Oh, uh, speaking of old man, uh, Luca's one point behind Brad Bender while we talk about outside title favorites. Don't. Both hands. Both hands on the handlebars. Valentino ahead of Tacker, Joint seventh again. Rossi ahead on count back. Miller in ninth on 20. And then Rins narrowly ahead of Aspargaro on count back with 19 each. Uh... This year is crazy. Uh, absolutely crazy. And as Lewis points out, we've got doubleheaders in Austria, Aragon, and Valencia to come, where Brad was a demon in Moto2 in previous years. He's absolutely right. So, uh... you love to see it. Yeah. That's fun. Uh, keep an eye on that going forward. Quick, because we 
because there's not an awful lot to report out of them, unfortunately. Um, Moto2 has been kind of like processional besides Qatar this season, unfortunately. Mm. And this one was kind of no different, although Sam Lowe's kind of made it interesting. Anaya Bastianini wins his second Moto2 race in a row. Sam Lowe's in second place. I want to say that was his first podium in Grand Prix for four years, I want to say. I'm going to look that up here I shortly, but uh, King. Moto2? <laughs> yes. Yeah. King, um, continuing the theme of good birthday returns, Joe Roberts is back on the podium! Yeah! Yeah! America! We, we gotta have something to be proud of here. Yeah, this is his first po- This is Sam Lowe's first podium since winning in Aragon. 2016. 2016. Yeah, four years ago. That was right. My goodness. Yeah, Jesus. Um, yeah, Sam Lowe's, uh, again, I still feel bad for his initials. Um, but he has to race out there. But uh, he was the only man that was able to keep it close with Anaya, but Anaya held on at the front in the end to for ahead of Sam. Joe Roberts in on his own, a very solid and Joe safe Roberts, place. Joe Roberts third, Joe Roberts third. Ahead of Luca Marini fourth. Um he's the uh now second favourite for the championship. Augusto Fernandez, welcome to the season in fifth. Um there. That time you showed hey. up. Uh Marco Bezecchi still nursing the broken ankle, still in sixth. Um, great ride from him, all things considered. Jorge Navarro finished the race. Good for him. He's at seventh. Hey. Um, ahead of Jorge Martin, Hafi Siren, and Aaron Cannett, ninth and ten for the Aspar team. Third, Tetsuya Nagashima, who, by the way, Akiaya, you did not cover yourself in glory when you admitted last week that he basically raced concussed. Do not do that again. Mm, that's, no, 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 no. That's disgraceful. Never do that again. Um, seriously, that is incredibly dangerous. Not just for him, but for anyone else on the motorcycle. Do not do that. Take that out of the rider's hands. Please, there needs to be a mandatory rest period for concussion diagnosis. Please, for the love of God, before someone seriously gets hurt. Um, Sammy Vierge was 12th. Uh, as mentioned, Remy Gardner was 13th. Nicolo Budiger 14th. Marcel Schrotter ran enough the points in 15th place. Quick look at the championship as well. Bassini now 15 points, clear ahead of Luca Marini in second. Nagashima third on 55. Sam Lowe's now fourth on 46. And Aaron Canet, the body who's been is still the walking tattoo, is now fifth on 36, ahead of Jorge Martin on 34. Moto three and uh, another first time winner, everybody. Dennis Foggia gets his first win for Leopard Racing. Nice! Yeah. And uh all right. Got to say if anyone's not seen like the uh the not so pleasant picture of Albert Arenas's injuries after that nasty crash he had at Haref. Don't. Um, don't. Let, don't. No. Let's just no. say his leg looked like an aubergine emoji. It wasn't great. Um Oh my. Yes, not that kind of ob- not that kind of reference. Um but uh, Albert Arenas um bad leg and all. Uh, somehow finished in second. I do not know how. Um, I, I I have no idea how that even happened. I've I've got nothing for you on that one. Um, a, a quote from Arenas after the race: "Quote: I learned to suffer this weekend." <laughs> oh, oh God! What a phrase that is! Oh dear, oh dear. Um, so yeah, Albert Arenas in all sorts of pain and suffering somehow limped over the line in second, ahead of Ayagura in third. Back on the podium again for Honda Team Asia. About the best thing to come out of Honda this weekend, unfortunately. We'll get to it in F one. 
We'll get there. I guess. If he was even from a, I guess free from a biking standpoint, maybe. Nicolo Antonetti, fourth. Oh. John McPhee, fifth. Raul Fernandez, sixth. Jeremy Alcober in seventh. Arbolino, eighth. Beating Renato Fernati over the line by one thousandth of a second. Fun. They had their own personal one-on-one in the fight for eighth. I would have loved to have seen on boards of that one. Uh, kiss, kiss. No, kiss, no, you kiss, might. Kiss. No, you, you might see him reaching for the other guy's brake lever if you go up on board. Now, Cam. Second group: Stefano Depper in tenth, Kaito Tober eleventh, Darren Binder twelfth, Celestino Vietti thirteenth, Andrea Mino fourteenth, and Dennis Onshu in fifteenth, rounding off the points. Championship standings in Moto3. Albert Arenas now has an 18-point lead in the championship over Ayagura in second. John McPhee down to third on 51 points. Uh, Tazuki Suzuki fourth on 44. And Raul Fernandez on the very fast-looking KTM when it's dialed in properly in, in fifth for KTM. Foggia up to sixth now ahead of Arbolino after his win. So, yeah, a, a pretty solid... GP win uh, all round, but say hey, all hail Lord Binder. You you love to see it. It's uh, all hail Lord Binder. All hail indeed. You love <laughs> to see it. After this break, uh, King will uh, calm down and uh, grab grab the tissue box, and while we sit up to talk about the 70th anniversary Grand Prix. Finally, we can calm down with something less exciting and interesting. <laughs> oh, wait. Stuff actually happened. Uh, Max Verstappen won, yo. Yeah, uh, not just hail Lord Bender. Hail number 33 in general. Good day for Red Bull Orange, right? Oh, <laughs> get out, get out, get out. Yes, in case you haven't... <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a... Hold up. You're telling me that a Mercedes didn't win? Oh, oh my gosh. The 72 Dolphins, they're, they're popping their champagne bottles. All 304 <laughs> Invincible Arsenal are out throwing a Tinker Tape Parade. Mercedes <laughs> lost a Formula One race. Mercedes, oh, my God. Mercedes, perfect season once again in the drink. You hate to see it. Uh, I, I, I'm kidding. We love to see it. And yes, as King alluded to, a good weekend for the number 33 with wins in MotoGP, Moto2, and in Formula One. Um, yeah, 33. You love to see it, everybody. Um, and yes, uh, it was an interesting, it was, I, I called this a very strong, a very fun strategy Grand Prix to watch, because this was very intriguing to watch the front from a tactical <laughs> standpoint. Maybe not the best in terms of on-track action, but uh, certainly a very interesting one uh, in terms of, shall we say, strategical play. Because Valtteri Bottas started this race on pole. He out-qualified Lewis Hamilton to take the front row. Because, yes, we forget Bottas can qualify. It's easy to forget him. It's not those. the only thing he can do. Yeah. Besides back the wagon up. But we have to give a shout-out in to the man, the myth, the simping legend, Nico Hulkenberg, who qualified third, the best of the rest on the racing point. And everybody's jaws hit the ground. Like... Wow. Mans is uh Mans is pretty good. Yeah, who would have thought it? He still got it. Yeah, he uh he had an actual helmet this weekend, which was gorgeous. Yeah, oh, nice helmet. Maybe my favorite helmet on the grid. Fantastic work, Phrasing. Dre, you said you were gonna get that one two scale. 
<laughs> I did, I, I did, didn't I? Um, I've already got one Hulkenberg up top of my collection. I got the uh, black and grey Singapore one he had from a couple of years ago. Um, uh, 20, uh, 2017? I think it is, yeah. The, um, hang on. No. Hang on, let me, just, let me just grab it real quick. One second. It is now Hobby Hours on Motorsport 101. <laughs> we are now a visual medium on Discord, I suppose. So, uh, yeah. Uh, there it is. Fantastic work. There it is. Mm. I'm just going to go ahead and show off my Suzuka 8 Hours special Coca-Cola bottle. He's coking uh, pour- for it. Coking for it, pour one out for the Suzuka 8 Hours, oh. officially cancelled as of today of recording. Oh, talk about it. Sigh. But yeah, yeah, Hulkenberg put it P3 on the grid, and immediately, the joke started. Is this finally, <laughs> after 180 Grand Prix, is Hulkenberg getting his... P- no. Uh, <laughs> there is nothing more powerful than the inertia of the big... Trick six. Yeah. Y- yeah. Y'all had a hope. Y'all had a hope. Yeah, that was our first mistake. <laughs> Verstappen put a P4, but very importantly, he qualified in Q2 on the hard compound tires. Now, if you remember, the tires were a step softer this weekend, mm-hmm. so the hards this weekend were the mediums last weekend. And it was a mm-hmm. theme that everyone was practicing all the time on softs because they were worthless as a race tire. <laughs> Get that shit out of here. They Get were so soft, in fact. They, they were so soft that even through qualifying laps, the tires were starting to give up by the beginning of Sector 3. Sebastian Vettel pointed out, quote, the softs lost one lap on our car. <laughs> which yeah. which kind of said it all, really. More on uh, more on Ferrari and tires later. Yeah, so Hulkenberg uh, in P3, Verstappen P4, Daniel Ricciardo with a very solid job in P5 on that Renault as well. I love the statistic that the Renault is equal with the Mercedes in the fir- in the first and third sectors, but just hemorrhages time in the high speed third sector. <laughs> Where's your downforce, son? Uh, I left it at home. <laughs> but uh, I love the game. We all had- we have downforce at home. The downforce at home. We 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 had so much hope in Nico Hulkenberg, and this is 181st race start um, in Formula One, and he was passed by Verstappen into the first corner. I was like, ah, oh, oh, there he goes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ah, there at least is. his car actually started this weekend. It yeah. did not shear a, a car. Yeah, goal. thank goodness. Yeah. I mean, he was running ahead of Stroll for most of this race, but then he picked up a real bad vibration, had to come into the pits, ends up finishing behind Stroll, which made all of Hulkenberg Nation mad as fuck. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dear. Unfortunately, he just ran out of rear tires, and that was kind of a theme, because we're at the race start, the Mercs, for some inexplicable reason, did not qualify on the hards when they had a war chest of pace to do so. Why? <gasps> they, they were on pole by nearly a second. Oh my god, the Mercs... The Mercs were so fucking fast in qualifying. It's stupid. Well, Bottas's pole lap was a 125-1. Hulkenberg's on the soft tire was a 26-0. Point yeah, nine. on a whole compound harder. Yeah, a point nine. The actual gap would have been something along the lines of... About 1.5? A second and a quarter because of the way the softs drop off here. Yeah, that's probably Dude. fair. That's, that, that's, that's insane. Now, we have the start, and Bottas holds Hamilton back. And then the tires start to melt. Yeah. This Mercedes oh, <laughs> is quite literally too fast for its tires. Yeah. 
Cam's mentioned this many a time on this show about the amount of load that this Mercedes and the amount of downforce it generates, the amount of loads it puts on its tyres, seems to wear it out during these hotter Grand Prix more than other teams around them. And this actually came into play because Max Verstappen was like, sod my engineer, I'm going to run it as close as I can to these Mercedes and give them a bloody nose. Uh, yep, and the, the Red Bull, which... So far this year, it's been a bucking Bronco of a car. Mm. Well, they found the window in these hot conditions where the car looked like a sweetheart to drive. And Verstappen kept it. He kept his hard tires on. And when the medium started to melt on the Merc, and that was a, this has been a recurring theme for a long time with the Mercedes, where the mechanical, the downforce that it puts through the tires can either it, it's both a blessing and a curse for the Mercs. And Verstappen ran right up to the back of the Mercs. Now, he couldn't pass them until the Mercs pitted because the Mercedes engine is a fucking nuclear warhead. Right. But both Mercs pit. Bottas pits first. Hamilton pits second. And Verstappen, we think, try is starting to try a one-stop, which we thought mm -hmm. was impossible on these tires. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He sold, well, he, he sold Mercs to dummy. Well, even it didn't even matter if he sold them to dummy or not. Because the Mercs then killed their hard tires. Yeah, they, they, they just chewed through them. They chewed through them like, like Valtteri was not sure where it had come from after the race. Um, Toto Wolf was like, no, we just had a slow race car today. <laughs> like he's, he's, He said there's no grand Yeah, they theory. were legitimately third best. They yeah. were third best once the tires started to wear. Merc got, Mer Mercedes could get two or three good laps out of the hards, and then they'd start to visibly blister. Yeah, well, more on that later. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, because of the strategy, Verstappen got in front of of Hamilton on track position um, during the first round of stops. He then only ran the medium tires for six laps, basically just to get rid of them. Because he, didn't, he no longer needed to one-stop. He was so quick on his hard tires, yeah. and they just wouldn't wear out. The Mercs killed him so fast, he then pulled out a pit stop gap on. So he didn't need to one-stop anything. He got that pit stop gap, went on a second pair of hard tires, kept the gap between him and Hamilton to about 10 seconds for a few laps, and then his engineer told him, stuff the tire management, let's go after him, and then Mercs had to stop Hamilton three laps later, because by this point, Hamilton kind of realized the only way he was going to have a shot of winning was one-stopping, and there was no way in hell the Mercs were doing that on their tires. Oh, yeah. So... It, there's a, uh... There's, there's an onboard of his left rear tire that looks like a, uh... Looks like a lion got after it. Looks like a fidget spinner. Um, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. It, it wasn't pretty. And so <laughs> Hamilton had to try the swing round of the, of the leading three, go round the back again, get a new pair of hard tyres on and try and gun it and try and beat them on raw pace alone. Hamilton lost two laps trying to get past Charles Leclerc, who was one stopping during this race. And by that point, it was already over. Max Verstappen wins the 70th anniversary Grand Prix. I don't think it wouldn't. Have, I don't think it would have mattered if he released so behind Leclerc or not, because again, the Mercs could get even on low fuel three laps max of raw pace out of the uh, out of the hard tires, and then they just start to blister. Uh, he did get Bottas, and mm. Bottas was incensed. Mm. He was not happy. He thought something was wrong with yeah. the car. Well, no, Bottas was incensed because you know he had Hamilton beat on the day. Yeah. And because of the alternate strategy, he ended up behind Hamilton. Yeah, Bottas was pissed because he seems to have lost out again to Hamilton 
on track. Um, goes even further behind him in the championship. He's now 34 points behind Hamilton, um, leaving uh, leaving Hamilton's home turf. But yeah, Max wins, and I'm not bitter at all, given that my 50 to 1, 20 pound bet I had on Merckx to win every single Grand Prix this season went up in smoke. God damn it! That's <laughs> that was a grand right there. <laughs> I'm yeah, so and upset. It's, it's telling. <laughs> it's also telling how much raw pace the W11 still has. That on completely destroyed tires, Hamilton was holding the gap to Max for a little while. Dude, yeah, this car is fucking ridiculous. Yeah, it's an insane vehicle. Bottas ended up in front of Max. He Max didn't quite stay ahead out of after the first pit stop, and he let Max have the inside, like a coward. It's like every criticism we've had about Bottas's racecraft is turning out to be true, and I don't like it. <laughs> like, and I, I know RJ, you had mentioned, do you want to hold Max back when Max is typically a dangerous overtaker? Make yeah. him beat you, right? Force Verstappen into a risky pass. Yeah, Mercedes was so absurdly quick in a straight line that. Even with destroyed tires on the destroyed mediums in the first stint, Max still couldn't pass Lewis. Oh, Valtteri. Oh, why don't you come on over? Oh, dear, oh, dear. Make Max beat you. Make your competitors beat you. Fair play to Mats, man. We've been critical of Mats Verstappen, the person, but Mats Verstappen, the driver, this weekend, fair play to him. Phenomenal. He, he went out Dare there and I say it. won the damn race. This might have been his best drive in F1. This or Brazil last year. It's up there. Now, this was better he didn't than put a foot wrong. This was better than Brazil last year because they had they had to go on an alternate strategy and the car was great, but he drove brilliantly. Like that was that was the first time I looked at Verstappen and I thought, maybe pound for pound he's he's every bit as good as Lewis. Because I said it before, I think I think it's an elite club of three now. I think it's Lewis, Max, and Charles. And I think everyone else is a tier below at this point. Because we'll get to Charles in a second here, because he finished in fourth. And again, a brilliant drive from Charles to one-stop his way to fourth. Um, but he, He's screaming on the radio like he won the race and it was fourth. He said it himself after the Grand Prix. He said, this fourth felt like a win. <laughs> wow. And, uh, I mean, we saw it with the, um, when Hamilton was coming back at him. The Mercedes just blew the fuck by on the hangar straight. Torched his ass in a straight line. Oh, dear. Um, yeah, just simple as that. But, yeah. Um, we should address... It's time. It's time to address the Red Menace. So, let's, let's, let's break this down from both ends of the garage. The, the good half, first and foremost. Charles Leclerc one-stopped his way to fourth, nursed his tires home, drove excellently. You know, it was. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. Charles was phenomenal, and, and from eighth on the grid to one stop his way to fourth was very impressive indeed. Yeah, we've only been critical of these dudes' socio-political opinions. For everybody that's listening to us and wants to come at us with a fucking hot take that we're fucking like, no, we're not. We've not been critical of them as drivers. Charles what? Leclerc has been excellent this year. He's, do, he's doing so all he can. Let's get that out of the way first and foremost. Yeah. Yep. Let's not forget, Charles Leclerc is fourth in the championship right now because he's driven phenomenally well, all but Styria. Um, there's no doubt about that in my mind, right? The other side of the garage. Sebastian Vettel finished in let's 12th. Let's start, let's take it from the top. The pedals are loose again. 
Are the pedals loose again? Yeah. Oh no, something something far more expensive came loose in practice for pedals Ferrari. The entire power um, unit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's this thing called a connecting rod and you really don't want it punching its way out the side of the block. Oh, car, car dead. Car dead. Kerblamo, in the words of David Hobbs. Vettel looking into the rear of the engine block was memed after FP2 and it was catastrophic. Um, <laughs> you, you know what hurt me, Cam? You know what hurt me? WTF1, yeah. who normally hurt me enough as it is, but they they, they <laughs> went particularly far this week when they were like, they put the side-by-side image of him looking in his exhaust pipe from FP2 next to the picture of him bowing down to his Red Bull when Red he won Bull. his fourth straight championship in 2013. I wanted to, in India, yeah. I wanted to punch oh, myself man. in the temple. It hurt like hell. <laughs> there, there, is, there is a contrast. And um, here's the thing. His weekend, it started with a thrown connecting rod and then got worse. Vettel spends the whole weekend off the pace. He's not comfortable with the car. No matter how... The car just isn't responding to setup changes. And you'd think... Forget, forget about making it drivable. At least you'd hope that the car would change. It has But it just wouldn't. And that, as we think, is a result of the crack in the tub, which I'll explain later. Well, qualifying, he's like... He doesn't even make Q2. Qualifies in yeah. 12. Or he doesn't... Q, Q3, I should say. On softs. Yeah. They, they bolted softs on him, which was always a bad idea to begin with. Um... He qualified P12 in a desperate attempt to try and get him into Q3. That didn't work either. Um, again, I find it funny you're doing that when when the driver himself openly admitted, Our softs lost one lap! Um, you know, so... In fairness, it did net him the best possible position outside because he got a free choice of tires, got some fresh hards for the race, and ended up P11 as a result of a grid penalty. Yeah, Esteban Ocon was uh, deducted three grid places because he uh, impeded George Russell in qualifying. Anywho, race start happens, and Vettel spins everyone out. Get the name. Everyone get the meme. Ugh. Another spin out on the opening lap. He, he had to violently shake the car out of the way because Charles Leclerc braked for turn one in front of him. Uh, Vettel lost it. He was in a bad situation. He ended up on the curb because he had no room from Albon on the outside. Mm -hmm. And got back on the throttle. Now, I don't know if the throttle was synced up audio-wise on uh, FOM, because it's always in question with FOM. Mm. But the way he lost the car was strange, to say the least. It's like the fourth time that's happened with Sebastian. Like... Just these very peculiar, unexplainable spins. There's no one else in the paddock is doing this with the frequency Sebastian has. Well, we'll get to that later because someone else actually did. Yeah, Daniel Ricciardo. even called it as such and explained it. Quote, called it a Seb spin. So, later on in the race, now... Sebastian lost, um, projected about 10, 11 seconds with the half spin, mm -hmm. ends up at the back and has to climb his way through the field. The only way he can really do this is through strategy. He told the team, he was he effectively gave the team the strategy that they put Charles on. One stop and uh, and see where it gets you up the grid. Well, he was on hards, he claws his way back up the field, and he ends up in front of Charles Leclerc, who has already stopped for his second pit stop. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It was one and then he stopped for the day, I should say. <sighs> 
yeah, Sasha points out you can basically say just get me in clean air is what you can simplify yep. a strategy to. Just get me in yeah, clean air. Yeah, because the Ferrari can't pass anything. Right. It's so slow in a straight line they can't pass anything. So even if they have actual lap time, they can't use it if they're in a DRS train. Didn't stop them from putting that a pretty insane roundy outside move on Grosjean into Brooklyn, which which, which, which was actually <laughs> was, featured on a hard camera. That was nice. That was a, that was a tasty move, but let's mm. let's let's call that for what it is. It's a Ferrari having to pull a stunning overtake on a Haas. Yeah, call it what it is. Which is made of spare Ferrari parts. Right, and let's work this out. Cam, do you know how many laps Vettel spent on those hard tires? He was on a one-stop. He he wanted to be on the one-stop. They bring him in. <laughs> on lap 11! Well, no. No, no. he had 11 laps on his second stint. He ends up in front of Charles. He says, no, my tires are fine. Don't box me. The team didn't even acknowledge this. Engineer says, box this lap, quite sternly. Bruh. They don't even they don't even call a uh, a multi uh, a multi sixteen five. No, they pulled him in. They just pit him to get him out of the way. They put him on a hard stint for eleven laps, and then bring him in again for mediums for twenty lap stint. How? How? In what universe is that a good idea? Objectively, this is beyond stupid. You know, I would just say, you know, if if I was Sebastian Vettel, I would just drive faster and not wear down the tires. It's pretty easy, right? Well, Sebastian, when he gets pitted for his second hard stint, the, the 11 lap stint, he gets dropped into a DRS train. He's in a massive queue. The Ferrari is got built in parachutes, so it can't pass anything in a straight line. Dre, do you have the quote? You know you messed up was what Sebastian Vettel said on the radio. Oh my god. Because he said, we talked about this possibility in the morning. So in other words, the Ferrari crew knew that Vettel knew something was up. And he said after the race that the team did not respond when Vettel made that statement. You know, if he just walked out, didn't show up at the Spanish Grand Prix, we would entirely understand. I want to get to that. This is the first time we've heard Sebastian openly hostile towards this team. Pretty much. He usually tries to defend them. At worst, you know, he uses the the cookie-cutter line, we win and lose as a team. And this time he was openly hostile. I haven't had the conviction to say it before. I'll say it now. Ferrari absolutely, deliberately destroyed his race. The spin didn't help, but his team absolutely screwed with him. He he had he lost about 10 11 seconds in the spin. He lost potentially over 30 between the pit stop and the DRS train. Oh, and I didn't even get to it. In the second medium stint, which was longer than the hard stint, and anyone who's played Gran Turismo 3 knows medium tires don't last as long as hard tires, so that makes no fucking sense. He gets released into another DRS train. Gentlemen, just so you know, like, just because I want to get this out of the way, because everyone knows I'm the, I'm the internet Sebastian fan here. If there's any logical explanation regarding Vettel's race strategy that says this is not a screw job, speak now, forever hold your peace. All they had to do is come on the radio and say, Sebby's on brand new tires. We'll stop you later. This is not like Russia last year, like people saying, oh, well, Vettel ignore team orders. They were fighting for a win and Seb was faster. And Ferrari was attempting to favor a car that was slower. 
like a cardinal sin as far as team orders Cam, are concerned. Answer the question. Is there anything, mm -hmm. any logical explanation to suggest this strategy? Oh, well, hang on. Cam, oh, shut up a things. second. Just, just one Go second, ahead. Sam. Go ahead. Just one Go second. Ahead. If there's any logical explanation from any of my co hosts on this panel, speak now. Uh, I, will I speak. got nothing. King? It I leaves, got nothing. I got it leaves nothing. two possibilities. At least three possibilities. Cam's trying hard here. Bless his heart. He's really trying. <laughs> like, Either this was sheer strategic incompetence, which is not out of the realm of possibility with this team. No, it isn't. Or they did not care if Seb scored points or not. Silence in the room. Silence. Silence in the room. Vettel was silent after the race, and Bonato very coldly after the race said, well, his spin compromised his race, not our strategy. When I am in, like, a solid 10 motorsport slash car-related discords, I checked everyone when this strategy came out, when this happened, and everyone said, what the hell is this strategy? Folks, this bullshit. reeks. It's, this it's reeks of 1991. And y'all know what happened in 1991 with Ferrari. And a certain multiple-time Formula yeah, One world they, champion. They made a car so bad, they made another four-time world champion yeah. quit. And we'll get to the... I'll get to the cracked chassis in a minute. I know, Dre, you have said in the past that there's no way a team will openly sabotage one of their drivers. To that, I counter. It looks real good for Leclerc to be performing as well as he is. It, it bypassed a potential situation on track between the two drivers and as sasha points out in the chat sebastian's open air pace was good it was as good it was as the same charles. as charles it was the same as charles it was faster than the racing points in fr in front of him and faster than esteban ocon in the red with hulkenberg's late pit stop he could have got p7 if he was really quick on the on the mediums late in the race he could after have got a spin p7. after a spin he was saying oh well he spun so should a spin doom him to not be allowed to recover late in the race? I've had enough, Cam. I've had enough. I'm sick of this fucking Look, team. Honestly. And what I was going to get to is Ferrari doesn't give a shit if they're not winning. Because yeah, they have so like much money, they don't care if they're second, fourth, or fifth in the constructors. They don't have to care about points right now. Their chairman just said, we're not winning anything for two years. Yeah. Like, this is it. This is, this is this team in 2020. And you know what's the really sad thing? Two things on it that makes it really annoying. The only one that seems to care about Seb in that team, ironically, is Charles Leclerc, who as soon as he finished <laughs> yeah. fourth on the radio, asked, how did Seb do? You know, and the second part of that was, it's so frustrating because Charles Leclerc is having a driver of the year candidacy season right now. If it wasn't for Steering, he'd be my driver of the year so far. And he's the perfect scapegoat for the team being shit. Because they could point to Charles and say, well, Charles has podium finishes. Charles has three performances in the top four this season. They're having to put him on alternate strategies every race. He's having to drive out of his fucking mind. His his drive on Sunday was better than both of his wins last year. Without a shadow yeah. of a doubt. Oh, God, yeah. Without a doubt. It was better than Bahrain. And, as I said, I didn't have conviction before to say... Ferrari's deliberately screwing Seb. But there's, there is, you're right, there is no real explanation why they wouldn't just call team orders. And I don't think it's actual sabotage. It's just apathy. They don't care. I think it's worse than apathy. It's apathy. I, uh, I was wrong. 
I said there's no way a team would screw over its lead driver like this, but then I realised Seb's not their lead driver anymore. It's re It really is Charles's team now. <laughs> and that's just what pisses me off most. It was like, if you want any further proof that they've abandoned this guy, or they've abandoned this team, it really is Charles's now, and they didn't give a shit about Sebastian. Going back to last off-season, they saw the shiny hood ornament in Charles Leclerc, and don't get me wrong, He's worked out brilliantly so far, and I'm sure he will going forward because he's an excellent friggin' racing driver, and everything we said about Charles turned out to be true. But it's going to come at Sebastian's expense. Not only, yeah, all of this goes down, and before the weekend, we get some words from someone who I think knows better than everyone else exactly what Sebastian is thinking in the paddocks. Lewis Hamilton dragged Ferrari through the fucking mud. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, let me hear it. I believe I'm paraphrasing your... Uh, do you have the, the quote, Dre? I don't have the direct quote, but I can paraphrase. He basically said that Ferrari's not giving him the car to let Sebastian shine. Quote, he's not done. No, he has he has no support in the team. They're not letting him shine, etc. Wow. Lewis Hamilton said that. <laughs> Nico Rosberg said it. Nico Rosberg, who has been legendarily critical of Sebastian Vettel the last two or three years said there's no way okay Sebastian Vettel is one of the greatest drivers of all time there is no way he is half a second off of Charles Leclerc there has to be something fundamentally wrong with his car unless he said that Seb should demand the brand new car and well he's kind of getting one because as Cam alluded to yeah, like today as we're recording this on August 12th, they found that his chassis was actually cracked. So he's getting a new one for the Spanish Grand Prix this weekend. Now, you should say, Ferrari said that it was a small fault and that it shouldn't be affecting performance much. To that I counter, the same thing happened to Stoffel Van Dorn in 2018 in that horrible shitbox of a McLaren. Yeah, it happened to Stoffel Van Dorn, and it cost him his F1 career. It cost him his F1 career. He was awful in the first part of the season. Alonso openly says they tested both cars, and Stoffel's car isn't making the right amount of downforce. Which, to be fair, the 2018 McLaren, I don't think, made any downforce ever. But they can't run two cars <laughs> properly. It's just, it's one thing after another. And, I mean, the, the crack in Stoffel's tub was only a few millimeters that's all it takes an upside down suspension part made mclaren think their car was untouchable in 2013 how'd that work out it cost stoffel his job yeah it stopped it cost stoffel his formula one career a guy with one of the most glittering junior records of all time yeah and as it stands right now i think it explains some of the pace gap between seb and charles i don't think it explains all of it i just think charles is more comfortable in this car around Silverstone. But it also explains why a car, if you change a setup on a car, it should react. If a car isn't reacting at all to setup changes, chances are there's something structurally wrong with it. I'm going to be really intrigued to see what happens in Barcelona or Silverstone or wherever we're having this next race. Yeah, especially when Seb is traditionally pretty solid around Barcelona. Yeah. We could be at this all night, but... Sadly, we've... Well, we have the rest of the grid to go through. Honestly, I I have only one more thing to say to this. Fuck this team. (laughs) Yeah. Carlos, that's you next year, buddy. Good luck with that. Um, That's that's your problem now, Mr. Racist Sympathizer. 
Enjoy your boots. Boots. <laughs> anyway. Bootstrap signs at it again. So anyways, I just started licking. Right. Rest of the field, as it as it stands. Alex Albon, fifth. Yay. He was 40 seconds yeah, off the leader. Finally. Oh. Uh, this was, uh, uh, it was better. Was it? Ish. It was better. And they don't deduct points for how far you finish off of your teammate. Thank God that is. I mean, he'll, t- he'll take the fifth. Yeah, I'll take the fifth. Um, it's an improvement. It's an improvement. Made some spicy overtakes. He did. And Red Bull, I mean, Red Bull was in the media openly saying, yeah, we got to we gotta do a better job supporting him, which is kind of terrifying. Am I high? Did, did, yeah. did Horner actually back one of his drivers and was actually sincere about it rather than immediately proceeding to fire them? Because, yeah. let's be I honest, mean, we've read this story before. <sighs> yeah, yeah. The, the 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 seal of approval from the board is the is the death knell at Red Bull. <sighs> Anywho, the racing points were sixth and seventh. Lance Stroll ahead of Nico Hulkenberg. Good drive by Lance. Unfortunate for Nico Hulkenberg. It would have been P five if it wasn't for those late vibrations. Still, I, I want to give a shout out to Nico Hulkenberg, who has done a phenomenal job at Silverstone both races around. Um, to do this on basically a handful of days' notice and to be immediately competitive, to even be arguably out driving Lance Stroll with one weekend. I don't think it was arguable. Yeah. yeah. He kept him at, ar- at arm's length. He he was unbelievable in qualifying. That was a great lap. Go, go hire this man for next year. He's still more than good enough to be here. Alfa Romeo wants to. Alfa Romeo wants Someone to. Someone better and, than Alfa Romeo wants those problems. He, you think he wants those problems at Alfa Romeo? I don't know, man. Because, like, yeah, the Alfa Romeo is shit this year. But that's a better run team than Ferrari. I, they're part of the same organization at the end of the day. Uh, Would you Hand over heart. Are you are you sure you don't want Frederick Vasseur over Mattia Bonato? Because I absolutely I'm, uh, I'm. I'm going. I wouldn't even hesitate at this point. He's an incompetent team manager. I'm sticking with iRacing, personally. Fair enough. I'm my own team manager. Down the field, Esteban Ocon, 8 for Renault. Lando, yeah, yeah good, good drive, drive. Good drive by him. He narrowly beat Lando Norris over the line in ninth. Um, Daniel Kvyat in 10th. He was the leader of the DRS train with his teammate right behind him, Pierre Gasly. Sebastian Vettel in 12th in the end. Carlos Sainz in 13th. Daniel Ricciardo, who, who started in fifth, had a really good day, but then had a Seb spin at turn three. Yeah, um, he actually explained it a bit where he talked about it because Seb actually had the same type of spin off of him in, what was it, America 2018? Yeah, yeah. Ew. Where he explained it, when you get up alongside another car, the dirty air wash is so intense, and the way these cars work their vortexes around the around the whole length of the car. If you get up alongside someone and you plant the throttle, these current cars, you get on the throttle and one side of your car is making downforce and the other isn't. Spin a rooting. Wow. So Daniel actually got a bit of a taste of... He showed not every... No one's immune to it. Right. Daniel Ricciardo down in 14th. Kimi Raikkonen in 15th. Romain Grosjean with lack of highlight reel footage. This time in 16th place. Geo 17th. George Russell in 18th. 
Shout out to Nicholas Latifi in 19th who finished right behind his teammate for the first time and was competitive in the race. Good to see from the Canadian. Uh, we, we he like... was competitive at both Silverstone races. Yeah, we like Nicholas Latifi on, 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 on this show. He's, he's, he's our funny uncle. Because ever since he made that joke about George in his shirtless pictures, I was like, I like this man. So, let's keep, well, let's keep... I, I, have, I have different opinions about Nicholas Latifi. What, why is that, King? Oh, here we go. Because everyone on the server knows what happened. They, they all saw it. They saw Nicholas Latifi break check me on iRacing. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> You're still mad about this? <laughs> yes. What is? It's your fucking birthday, King. Have a cr- crack a friggin' smile. <laughs> I say, go, go, crack, go crack open a Red Bull. Right, right, Jesus, you unfun man. Um, and yeah, the only the only DNF, unfortunately, was uh, Kevin Magnuson in the end, who uh, his his, uh, his, his his tires uh, he let go. quite literally ran out of tires. Yeah, his tires they had no let go. more sets to put on the car. Yeah, they had to they had to park it. They had no tires to put on the car. Um, so yeah, out out he went. Um, eight laps from the finish. Championship standings as it stands. Hamilton now has a 30-point lead from Max Verstappen now in second, not Valtteri Bottas. Yeah, who would have thought? Bottas in third now on 73 points, ahead of Charles Leclerc on 45, and Lando Norris down to fifth on 38. So, uh, yeah, uh, crazy. Charles Leclerc is fourth overall, and Ferrari have overtaken McLaren into third in the Constructors somehow. Uh, yeah, McLaren, all uh, that shit we've been talking about Ferrari, and yet, what did I say? Nothing is greater than big dick sits inertia. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well... Um... No matter how good McLaren looks, no matter how many parts Racing Point copies off Mercedes. That's the thing, um, man... Oh, we did we even talk about the Racing Point news? We'll get to that oh, very goodness. shortly. But yeah, Mercedes up by 67 points now on, race, on Red Bull Racing. Ferrari now third on 55, out of McLaren on 53. And, well, I bet you're wondering, where's Racing Point in all of this? They were down 15 points. Now, I wonder why that was. Um, they came into this weekend with the announcement of the basically the end of the inquiry into their brake ducts and the ongoing stack of um, appeals that Renault had put through for them. And uh, yeah, the, the stewards came back with a verdict. They said that uh, Racing Point had broken the rules on how these brake ducts ended up on their car. And mostly for the Aust- yeah. mostly for the Austrian Grand Prix weekends, they had an Austrian steerer reprimands from Hungary going forward, but they were deducted seven and a half points per car and a two hundred thousand dollar fine per car. So four hundred thousand dollars and fifteen points taken off the racing points. Now I can uh, we can ex- uh, I'll try and crash course this because it's a it's it's a doozy. It's a bag of worms. TLDR: The Renault protest was upheld. Racing Point was found in violation of the sporting regulations in regards to Mm. designing their car. Mm -hmm. Racing Point received Mercedes data and had purchased Mercedes brake ducts last year. Now, the front brake ducts of the RP19, previous car, those were basically Mercedes copies. But because they were already on last year's car when they were unlisted parts, when you could purchase them from another team, that's kosher. That's fine. And because they came over this year, they were already part of the Racing Point car's DNA, so to speak. 
the rear brake ducts as a result of them being inspired by the Mercedes W10. Inspired. Inspired. In inverted inspired. <laughs> Those were not part of last year's Racing Point. So they were not grandfathered in as a result of being part of the Racing Point's DNA. Mm-hmm. So that is copy-pasting from another team. That is illegal. But... <laughs> This is where it gets really funky. Yeah. <laughs> they were not disqualified. The parts are illegal because they are illegally designed, but they are not against the actual technical regulations. Ugh. <laughs> they are not disqualified from the previous events, but as Dre alluded to, they are docked seven and a half constructor's points, not driver's points, per car for a total of 15. I love that Otmar, did, I love that Otmar didn't even realize that uh, he had... He thought it was only a seven and a half point deduction. He didn't realize it was a seven and a half point deduction per car until Sky Sports asked. Dude, this that. got snippy over the weekend. Oh, yeah, this my got fucking snippy. Otmar and Zach Brown are just going at each other in the press. Otmar, <laughs> I love Otmar this. Otmar pretty much said that Zach Brown knew nothing about Formula One. <laughs> Basically, said he only knows about historical racing. I was like, stick to historic racing. Oh my god. I was like, what? wow, the sass coming out of this man. Um. It it got it, it got so ugly that Lawrence Stroll himself, who never talks to the public and has never put out public statements since buying the team, had came out and said uh, came out and he looked angry. He was visibly angry, talking about how oh, you know I, I've I've never cheated in my life apart from the whole being a billionaire thing. But um, <laughs> yeah, uh, I've never cheated in my life. The accusations are terrible, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, there's no way we, we, we broke the rules. And as a result, as when we left this, when we left Silverstone on Sunday, it was looking like half the teams in the paddock were going to appeal this decision. Racing well, Point... I, uh, here's the thing. We, I didn't, we didn't quite finish. Yeah, go on. Racing Point is allowed to continue using the illegally designed parts. Right, that's a problem. <laughs> and that is the point of contention. Now, the FIA realized that the, the ruling that didn't involve the disqualification came about because the FIA more or less said, hey, we didn't really word this rule all that well. We understand how you could have mis you could have misconstrued what this rule said. So... You should have asked us. We would have helped you to make your car legal. Yeah. We're not going to disqualify you and you can keep using the illegal parts. Because the FIA basically admitted the way they wrote the rule in the book could be open to misinterpretation, uh, basically. Yeah. And I think that's why the FIA was eased up on them a little bit um, by comparison and by letter of the law. Um, now, I mentioned this. During the 7th anniversary weekend, we found out that by Saturday night, half the paddock was going to appeal this one way or the other. Racing Point was going to appeal it, obviously, in their favour, thinking they could maybe get this penalty reduced to some capacity. Whereas, at the time, McLaren, Ferrari, Williams, and I want to say Renault had all lodged yeah. intents to potentially appeal this. Now, the rules are they have 72 hours to gather what they need to do and then to finally submit an official protest or an official appeal against the punishment. We found out today that the 72 hours have been and gone and funnily enough <laughs> Williams <laughs> about that. Williams are not going to appeal this anymore as are McLaren. 
I, I, just, I just want to point this out, that both those teams are going to be on Mercedes power next year. It's got nothing to do with why they didn't appeal in can the I, end. Can I just say, <laughs> I'm just imagining Toto pulling Andreas Seidel and Claire Williams into the room, pulling out a Glock 18, like, you drop your fucking appeal. <laughs> we, I was like, you don't throw us under the bus for racing points, Sarah. You shut the fuck up. Yeah, because uh, Toto Wolf, Toto Wolf, funnily enough, was very defensive of racing point in all of this. Can't imagine I why. I can't imagine why. <laughs> I think it was something you to do with the fact that his right. team may have been something to do with the fact that racing point may have broken the rules and this might open Pandora's box against them. Um <sighs> Something like that. Yeah, a little. Like that. You know, so I believe... Especially when uh, Mercedes is also refusing to sign the Concord Agreement because they don't like it. Yeah, and they've, and, they've, <laughs> and, they've, and they've only got another two and a half weeks to sign said Concord Agreement. They got, they got, they got until August 31st. But hey, I found out they've got a little bonus that they signed it by the 17th. Love it. Yep. <laughs> early sign. Yeah, yeah. Early mm. sign. You've got those early signing bonuses. You, you love to see it. Anywho. It is funny that, like I said, McLaren and Williams withdrew. I believe Ferrari and Renault are still contesting it on their end. Whereas, obviously, Racing Point are going to appeal it, obviously, the other way, hoping that they can get this penalty either reduced or overturned or whatever. Um, So, obviously, we'll be keeping tabs on this story as it goes on, because we are far from done. (laughs) Here's here's the thing, because I I really don't know how this ruling is going to go. Mm-hmm. On one hand, Racing Point did not knowingly break the rules. They interpreted the rule one way. The FIA didn't intend them to. The FIA understands that the word, the wording of the rule was was poor. It is not on the other teams that the FIA does not know how to word a fucking rulebook. It's not Ferrari and Renault's fault that Racing Point broke the rules, but oh, they didn't mean to, so it's fine. You mean I can't get these jokes off about Ferrari appealing a minor indiscretion in the rulebook? Oh, damn it! Mm. Oh, huh. <laughs> Funny that. Funny that, isn't it? So again, we'll be keeping tabs on that story as it progresses over the coming weeks and months, because like I said, we are far from done regarding this story. Um, and that pretty much is the 70th anniversary Grand Prix. This will, I, I score this... Six and a half for Stappen burnouts out of ten. I think it was a decent strategy race and not much uh, more. I'll I'll throw him a seven. I thought the strategy was a lot of fun. It was it was fun. Yeah. It, was, it was fun seeing someone not named Mercedes um, wrap their knuckles around the field. It was, it was fun watching. Uh, it was fun listening to Sebastian Vettel finally snap and throw his team under the bus. Delicious. Yeah, that was fun. I guess. I mean, I'd have been fine with Lewis pretty much winning uh, every race to go make part of Union Jack Twitter extremely mad, but a little variety on the sporting side never hurts. It was a fine strategic race. Um, Barcelona, up next, assuming we don't get another spike. Uh, Yeah, because this is very much in question due to the state of Spain right now. They're racing. They're going to race. Uh, French Grand Prix back? We'll see. We'll see. King, this could be another late birthday present. I'll, I'll bet you 50 bucks, Cam, they, they end up racing, because there's no way they're going to cancel the race now on four days' notice. It's like, no chance. We're not getting hey, Australia they, they canceled. They canceled Australia on minutes' notice. True. <laughs> yeah, but that but that was before they realized that their line was go, wasn't going up. Yeah, so. that's true. Anywho. Cash King?
<laughs> more Ferrari drama. Hell yeah. Yeah. Oh, more Red Bull Honda goodness. Race number one, Callum Island. Pillar to post. Pull to win. Hashtag yeah. beat him down. Beat him down. <laughs> no one was stopping Islot that day. No, no, no it wasn't beaten down of, of monumental proportions. It was a clobbering from uh, Callum Islot. I, I was like, let's call him that member of the FDA that you forgot about. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> what? forget about despite the fact that he's having a very good year and leading the championship. Yeah, that victory put him into the points lead. Yeah. Now I know what y'all are thinking. Are Mick Schumacher and Robert Schwartzman deliberately tanking their title chances mm. this year so that way they don't have to skip next season <laughs> I think and then uh, therefore wait until 2022? We're talking about conspiracies. Strategy. It's a bold strategy, but it might be the right one considering the state going, of Ferrari. He's going for the Johan Zarco Moto 2 development plan. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Take the extra year out, see what comes up. Um. <laughs> you, see, you see, Alex Marquez did that, but wrong. Ah, mm. uh, yeah. Uh, look, Islet had he did the overcut on Christian Lungard, who was a solid second, and it's good. Jack Aitken finally back on the podium in third place. But uh, there are a couple notes from this race. First, Nikita Mazepin with that ultimate pass oh, on Mick Schumacher that was, yeah, feature that, race. That was filth. That was filthy. Yeah, oh. that that. That was good. Mm. Also on the hangar straight, um, Dan Tictum got hung out to dry on a three-wide overtake, which led to a very interesting outburst that may have been interpreted as him threatening to run another car off the road <sighs> nearly five years after actually running another car off the road. By God, is that Ricky Collard with a steel chair coming out of the stands? Mm. Oh, look. Dan Tictum's talent was never the problem. We talked about this last week. We talk about it every week. He was the final catalyst to me taking a break from Twitter for three days. Because I was just like, you know what? Fuck this. Uh, honestly, because I was like, yes, Tictum was very minorly taken out of context on the radio message. Do you know why people overreacted? Because he's Dan Tictum. Like, he has but, done... But the thing what? is, he... He wasn't taken out of context. He blatantly said that he was going to crash into another driver. And you can't take that into co out of context when he's done that before. Right, the thing yeah, is... That, that whole thing that people say, that whole thing that Simon Pagino did in iRacing and everyone got really mad and thought he should be fired. Right. Tictum did that in real life. Right. And that's the reason why Ricky Collard's in British touring cars instead of Formula 2. Yeah, and every fucking time... Okay, teams keep picking up Tictum thinking, okay, we're the ones who are going to get his personality under control because he has talent. Kids fast. Yeah. But every time people say, oh, well, Dan Tictum's finally growing up, he proves them wrong. His attitude right. is appalling. Uh, it is the worst of any junior driver I have ever seen. He is... The reason why people dunked on Tictum, and I know people were very quick to walk it back when they were given the full-on transcription in, in 14 languages of what Tictum said on the radio. We were cynical on, t on Dan because he's Dan Tictum, because he's done this once before, and he is an unrepentant, arrogant man who has never walked back any awful thing he's ever done on or off the track. He has done nothing to earn the benefit of the doubt for us 
people on Twitter to suddenly U-turn on him when he may have said one or two words that were different on the radio from what we initially picked up. Like, I don't care what you tell me. Stop trying to turn Dan Tictum into a redemption story. Like, I know we in sports love this shit. Like, like I, I know we love a good redemption story. I joked about it with Tiger Woods and Nico Hulkenberg about how, you know, we don't even fuck with Tiger like this and we were all happy for him to win the Masters. This is the exact same principle. Tictum's an unapologetic dick. And yet we want to see him this in is... Formula 1 because he's young and British and good looking and everybody wants to see another British guy in there. When we're and spoiled. Caucasian. And, and, and white. You know. <laughs> yeah, this is the guy who had such a bad attitude. This is the guy who claimed Mick Schumacher was cheating when Mick rocked up in season two of F3 and flattened his dick across the season. And yeah, I just I just looked this up to be sure. Uh, yeah, we, we don't know what the full context of what Dan Tictum said was. All he did was claim that he was taken out of context. Yeah, and, yeah. and we all believed him. We all gave him the benefit of the he, doubt. Uh, the he amount, doesn't deserve the benefit the of the amount doubt. The amount of high-ranking people that were in my mentions on Saturday trying to, like, counterpoint <laughs> So what I was saying that tick oh what a surprise Tictum acts like an arsehole on the radio again. Guys that work in established esports teams, guys that work for high-ranking journalism sites, and fans it, of him. And fan like people want Tictum, like people want the Tictum redemption story. And I can't they stand want it. Want him to not be what he is. Let's also yeah. remember this is the guy who went to Super Formula, got curb stomped. By, uh, I'm going to butcher his By his, his, by his, te- by his teammate, Tomoki Nojiri, Tomoki a man who... In who the Mugen team. And then... Allegedly. Claimed that it was the team's fault. And allegedly hit, hit, yeah. hit a member of his crew as well. Allegedly. That is only, that is only alleged. But yeah. Yeah. Suffice to say, suffice to say that unless you are a Super GT or Super Formula watcher, you've probably never heard the name Tomoki Nojiri, but he clapped Dan Tickton. He yeah, blew until him he into fired. fucking weeds and then claimed that the team told, basically buried the team. And that was the final straw for Red Bull. Yeah, and Dan Tickton's comments in reply to yesterday, his comments in full. Very frustrating race for me today. Unfortunately, the tire degradation was unpredictable and we lost out. I also want to clarify that one of my radio messages has been taken out of context. I gave the car in question a lot of respect. I uh, Had I not done, we would have come together. In no way did I, did I mean I wanted to crash him. Not what has been reported. Even though it doesn't take any reports. We all heard the radio message. We heard it. We, we heard it word for word. He wasn't speaking double Dutch. It's cold, it's cold hard evidence. Yeah. You can't dude. argue that. Like the like, thing is, we that- would rather be talking about how Callum Islet won this race and is somehow out of nowhere building up a championship challenge after being overlooked in his own in his own academy. We would yep. love to talk about how Nikita Mazepin is going on a run of form that we never saw anything. But no, we got to talk about this because Dan Tickham still hasn't grown up. Anyway, and that's uh. just it. If he would just grow the fuck up, keep his head down, keep his mouth shut, and get some results. He might get his career back on track, but he can't. Yeah, And this and is, what, like, year five of him being unable to shut the fuck up and drive. Yeah, and just that, like, everyone on Twitter defending him, just because a driver or someone else is nice to you doesn't mean they're nice to everyone else. Absolutely. 
Besides, besides yeah. Jack Aiken, because everybody loves him because he follows everybody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, why I, that's why I now sarcastically nickname him People's Champion Jack Aiken. <laughs> so, well, let's also not forget those guys went into a lower, a, uh, a viewed as lower, lower down the food chain series, couldn't win there and said, second is not where I should be finishing in this series. He finished. He got blown out of the water by a guy who is having a pretty okay IndyCar series season to date. That would be Renus VK. Yeah, I don't want to talk about Dan Tickham right now. Sprint race, no more. <laughs> yeah. Let's let's go to the sprint race because uh, oh. on the subject on the subject of uh, Red Bull and Honda and success, uh, because uh, Yuki Tsunoda, our man, really. The Honda prospect got a great view of Prima imploding up in front of him. What in the world? <laughs> yeah. Prima seemed to finally crack the hard nut that was Silverstone mm-hmm. after last week and after not having a great run in the first race until, while holding a 1-2, Mick attempts to take the lead. Oh. And he collides with Robert Schwartzman. Well, I was like, oh, no, no, no. Oh, that was ugly. Oh. Yeah. It, it is was all ugly. coming up Ferrari right now, isn't it? Yeah, just to, <laughs> yeah. Just, just to touch. I mean, yeah, as it, I mean, breaking it down, Robert Schwartzman's tyres were cooked. Mick tries to go around the outside of him down into Brooklyn's. Like, Mick's got maybe half a car in front, tries to shut the door, hoping More. Schwartzman backs up. Yeah, bit about, bit, oh. let's say three quarters of a car in front. Schwartzman, yeah. like, misses his breaking point, um, closes back in on Mick. The door is closed. Both of them collide. Um, Mick ended You're up... You done goofed. You done goofed. Mick yeah. came off it the better. He would still go on to finish in second. Um, Schwartzman would end up finishing in 13th. In the end, with front wing damage, and uh, to be fair, Mick took full accountability, even though I think it was actually more mm. a 50-50, But yeah, that, that's the thing with this with this incident. I mean, Mick probably could have turned in later. Mm-hmm. He was a little over aggressive with the way he cut in front of Schwartzman. On the other hand, Schwartzman's tires are cooked. You're on the suboptimal line going into the corner, and unlike what happened, where uh, unlike the incident where you and I got into it. About with Magnuson and Albon, Albon had his car up to Magnuson's barge boards. Schwartzman was at the edge of Mick's rear tire, the back edge of his tire. Yeah, yeah, we had ninety percent of the car. I looked look back on the incident on, on Twitter. Yeah, he's yeah. about ninety percent of the car in front. It, it was really Mick's corner at that point. Um, but Mick probably closed the door a bit too quick, and Schwartzman probably missed his braking spot by a good ten meters. Um, in summary, um. Racing incident, probably as it was ruled. You both get to wear the dunce hat. Good job. Robert Schwartzman hey. came out of both these Silverstones round with a combined four points. He's now fallen Ouch. a third in the championship out of this. That's, yeah, Lungard's now nineteen points in quick. front, um, and Christian Lungard's now second, and he didn't even score in the sprint race. Um, so yeah, so like, ble- yeah. bless him, Mick. You can tell he takes a lot more after his mum because he immediately got on the radio after the race and was deeply apologetic. Um, I, I think it's kind of funny. I, in the move, when he did the move, I'm just like, 
There's the Michael showing up. Yeah, and then uh, <laughs> and then afterwards, he's like, afterwards, there's his mom showing up. I was like, yeah, that's his mom right now. I was like, yeah. Tell, tell, tell. How about back to back jacks for Aitken though? Yeah, yeah. we were talking about the People's Champ. He's finally on the board. And how about Yuki Tsunoda, our eighth different race winner of Formula Two? Again, Yuki, watch more Formula Two. Yeah, Yuki Tsunoda probably should have won that race in uh, Austria were it not for the yeah. radio issues. Kid's good. Yeah. He's really good. If he, I re- if he keeps doing this, I don't want to say it because I don't want to see him go into the meat grinder, but he has to be under major consideration You'd for think. an Alpha Tauri Honda C Somebody. next year. Somebody has to be because it's looking like Yuri Vips's uh, super license hopes uh, hinge on him whether or not he gets denied at the border or not. Yikes. Not ideal. Um, yeah, bless him as well. Then he realizes until seeing him on the podium. Yuki Shinoda's a small boy. Bless him. I, I had to Google it. He is 5'2". Um, Danny Pedrosa height. And uh, you could see that the other guys on the podium alongside him, Mick Schumacher and Jack Aitken, were all roughly the same height despite the difference in podiums. I was like, I was like oh, poor Yuki. He's, he's a small boy. Um, that was cute. Um, so yeah, good for Jack Aitken. Championship standings in Formula 2 real quick. Kind of my lot. 19 points now in front of Christian Lungard in second. Hey, the other Renault guy. How about that? Um, yeah. Lungard in second on 87 points. Robert Schwartzman now third on 85. Nikita Mazepin in his good run of form on 71 now in fourth. And Louis Delatraz putting together quite a decent veteran season in fifth on 64. Yuki Tsunoda now a point ahead of Mick Schumacher and Guan Yu Zhou in sixth. Dan Tictum another two points back with 59, and Felipe Drogovic with 46. Rounds off your top 10. Formula 3, RJ. Yeah, Formula 3, and how about another first-time winner? And King, how about more American exceptionalism on the pod? Because, and I'll say it again, the most, (laughs) we're talking about American Formula 1 prospects making noise at Silverstone. Oh, wait. But in a good way this time. Oh. Logan Sargent goes for pole to win. But how about that battle for fourth between Vesti and Beckman and Porsche, which Vesti ended up winning. Uh, he was fourth behind your podium finishers. Jake Hughes finally on the roster in second and Liam Lawson in third. But that last lap race two. Oh, my God. Oh, oh my man. goodness. Liram Zendeli and Bet Fiscal. Going at it, throwing hit, throwing hammers at each other on the final lap of the race. Dre, did you get a chance to watch this live? I did watch it live. It was a tremendous last lap. I was rooting for Iron Man all the way, but unfortunately, Fano snapped his fingers on the penultimate corner um, and went <laughs> round the outside of the final corner to win the Grand Prix. And I yeah. was like, oh! Viscal gets, gets him going into Stowe. Zendeli gets the DRS and passes him at the end of Hangar Straight. And you're thinking, like, that's it. That's it. That's done. But then Vizcal just comes right around the outside of the last two corners to snatch the win. How early did did he slam his throttle on the accelerator to get around the outside of the penultimate corner to to seal the win? You could see the thing was shaking when he put it on the outside of the curb. And I'm just sitting there thinking, oh, no, this is going to be a spectacular accident. Or he's going to spin it like Eilat did. Nope. Um, he, He stuck it, goes around the outside and wins the race on the final corner. 
Absolutely. And he keeps the win. He finishes first on the road and he keeps the win. Unlike last time. That was a phenomenal final lap. And are you fucking kidding me out of 10 final lap? That was an insane um, ending to that race. Oh, Lord. And uh, Fiat on the podium as well in third on that one. So, yeah, Formula 3 standards real quick after that one. Uh, Logan Sargent now leads the championship by one point. Once again, America, fuck yeah. We have something to be proud in for once. (laughs) He ain't got nothing else. Like, like, (laughs) Jesus. Uh, One point ahead of Oscar Piastri, who allegedly is still trying to fix his broken relationship with his DRS wing. Uh, Oh, no. (laughs) It's complicated. It's extremely complicated, apparently. Yeah, he's on 105. David Beckman now running third on 82 and a half. The maths is, is not fun on that one. So 23 and a half points back now. Um, Liam Lawson in fourth. And Vedrick Zesti-Vesti on 70.5. A point and a half ahead of Theo Poucher in sixth. Well, that's a very nice points yeah, total. 69. Very nice indeed. Nice. Very nice indeed. Um, should, we kick, should we get multi bikes out of the way real quick? Because we're hovering around the yeah. two-hour mark. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, normal service has resumed. Death, taxes, Ray. <laughs> Jonathan Ray, a triple header um, at, at Portimao to win all three races. I did tell people that he's a lot stronger at Portimao than he is compared to Jerez, and this was no exception. He pretty much ran all three races and won unopposed in all three of them. Um, it's exactly what you might expect, and as a result, he retakes the championship lead over Scott Redding by four points. Redding would, would finish. He actually would improve as the weekend would go on. Went from seventh to race one, fifth in the Super Bowl race, and then second in a narrow fight with Michael Vandermark over the line in race two, in third. Um, so yeah, uh, it's it's pretty bog standard. These were not particularly exciting races, unfortunately, especially when Jonathan took off uh, early goings. Race one, it was Jonathan Ray ahead of Top Rack, ahead of Michael. It wasn't Vandermark. even much of a fight. Yeah, it's not I, much of a fight in any of these. Yeah, indeed. Super Bowl win. Jonathan Ray again ahead of Top Rack again in second. Laurie Spaz on the podium for, for Tenkarte. Hooray! We like Baz. <laughs> yeah, I like Baz. Damn I'm right. Like Baz picks up the podium in the Super Bowl race. I'm looking down these results and do we have a Christoph Ponson sighting again? Oh yes, we do. We do. Oh my god. Yes! Christoph Ponson back after his one MotoGP substitute appearance. Oh, man. Ah, yeah! Back at it. A DNF 17th, 16th for his three races on the day. What a boy. Yeah, that that's my big takeaway from this. What? Oh, and Jonathan Ray's really good at riding superbikes, but we knew this you know, already. It's a bad sign. Oh, Christoph Ponson doesn't that. even have a Wikipedia page, right? Oh, no. <laughs> it's, 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 not, it's not the best of looks. Um, as mentioned, Ray winning race two ahead of Scott Redding and Michael Vandermark for Chaz Davis fourth. And uh, wait, Avara Bautista's best result of the year. He was in fifth um, on the day in race Honda, two. That new Fireblade's looking a little better every weekend. It is. It's, it's yeah. certainly better than their fucking MotoGP bike it, right now. It, it's, it's getting there, <laughs> certainly. Uh, yeah. As mentioned. It could, it could win at a depleted BSB. It looks pretty good in World Superbikes. Indeed. Um, Jonathan Makes Rowe, a nice noise. Yep, Jonathan leading the championship by four points ahead of Scott Redden on 132, compared to Ray's 136. Top rack Razgati Oglu third on 103. Alex Lowe's had his first DNF of the season in race two. He's stuck in fourth now.
Lau on 91, ahead of Vandermark on 82, Chaz Davis on 75, and Bautista ahead of Baz by 1.55 to 54, one point ahead of Michael Rubin Rinaldi on 53, and Tom Sykes rounded off the top 10 on 47. Real quick looks as well, World Supersports, and uh, oh wait, Andrea Locatelli is curb stomping the field. Yeah, I wanted to get a look into this. And it's like one-way traffic all time. He's won from pole every single race. Yeah. Beat them down. Yes, yeah, so this is the guy that was a middle-of-the-field runner in Moto3 and Moto2 up until last year. Hops into World Supersport and has completely dominated the championship. Um, on, surprise, surprise, a Yamaha R6. I know, you're all shocked. Um, he won Mike Bradle Evan Brothers' team is absolutely destroying the opposition right now. Five for five for Andrea Locatelli. won again um, ahead of Jules Cluzel, who, fun fact, has finished in second four of the five races we've had so far this season. <laughs> Jules Cluzel is never winning this championship, and it makes me sad. Uh, <laughs> Not mm, again, Jules. Let me, uh, allow me to press F on the world's smallest keyboard. Indeed. Um, and Lucas Mahias, who did not, he's currently third on 62 points. He did not finish. He had a crash in the race. In uh, the in both races, Locatelli won again. First race, he was ahead of Mahias and Raffaele De Rosa. And in race two, Locatelli went ahead of Clazell and Isaac Vinales. Um, so yeah, 35-point lead in the championship for Andrea Locatelli. Jules Clazell, pour one out for the man because he's never going to win this damn title despite years of trying. It makes me sad. Um, also, shout out to our girl, Anna Carrasco, who, who won one of the two yeah. races in the Super Sport 300 race. Yeah, we love Anna Carrasco. Hell yeah. We do. We love Anna Carrasco. Um, honestly, Hell honestly, yeah. right now, the World Super Sport 300 might be the most intriguing championship of them all right now, given that we have the top five covered by 15 points. Scott Deru, who also won race two on the day, now has a 10-point lead over Bahitan Safoglu. No, no relation to the other one. Um, <laughs> Unai Oradere in no relation. No relation. Unai Oradere in third on fifty-five. Anna Carrasco now fourth. Sadly, she had a crash in race two. Um, she's, uh. she's, in, she's in fourth on fifty-four points. And Tom Bufamos, as I like to remember him, that guy with the broken AI in MotoGP nineteen. <laughs> he's had he's had three podiums. He had a DNF in race two in Portimao as well, unfortunately. But he's finally found some form on a SuperSport three hundred bike. He's fourth. On, he's so he's fifth, I should say, on 52. Five points covering the top... 15 points covering the top five in Supersport 300. And breathe. I think we're just about done here. <laughs> <laughs> Indy 500 practice began today. Indy 500 practice began today. We have only 33 entries, so Alonso doesn't have to sweat out another buff day. <laughs> and Matt Shilton, uh, his helmet is a replica Borg Warner, and it looks oh, pretty cool. God damn it, though. It was so close. It... It was in the pantheon of all-time helmets, but he misspelled Dario Franchitti's last name. Oh, oh no! He's missing a T in there. God damn it, Max! Well, Max, that was one of the best helmet designs I've ever seen, and he had to go ruin it by missing a T. It's the details. God damn it! Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's the Otherwise, details that count. Superb helmet. Stunning. Will Powers car. Will Powers livery fucks. Uh, that black and red oh, it's Horizon filth. livery fucks. It's, and it's filth. My boy, back in the highlighter car. See how it goes. <laughs> yep. Let's see how this goes. Indeed. Uh, so, King, as the birthday boy, any final thoughts about these races or just about how much Robert Moses sucks? Oh, man. I, all I'm saying is uh, 
by the time you're listening to this, you're, it probably already happened, but you know, our last last night at Templehof Nights, the Berlin E-Pre, uh, you know, five and six race reviews, maybe a little season review slid in there, season preview to next year, we'll see what happens. Am I going to be on the show for now, three hours on Friday? <laughs> we just no. died. Three minutes ago, this was just posted. Oh. This practice just ended. Uh, Dre, hmm? man's. James? James Hinchcliffe finished P1. Yeah! Oh, shit. The mayor is taking uh, off this. <laughs> Let's fucking have it. Finished P1 on day one of practice. That's uh, that's good news. This is the opposite of any of Robert Moses' public works in New York City. <laughs> <laughs> you all love to see it. Good fucking lord. And on that note, we'll get out of here. Uh, places you can find us one more time youtube.com forward slash motorsport 101 um, again by the time this goes out most likely all of Temple Off Nights will be up on YouTube in full it's like six hours in total by the time it's all said and done it was a good time for all involved um, and yeah check it out if you haven't already mostly because I promised King I wouldn't video edit until that series is done thanks a bunch King um, <laughs> I, 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 you're, yeah. you're forced to take a vacation forced vacation because my head was going to explode anyway facebook.com forward slash motorsport 101 twitter.com forward slash motorsport underscore 101 our personal handles at harrison 101 hd at ryan eric king at rj o'connell and at c buckley 917 uh, all our details can be found on the website motorsport101.com including two new written pieces on bottas and this 70th anniversary grand prix itself it's a fun time and you can back us financially on Patreon if you really like us. Patreon.com forward slash Motorsport 101. $5 gets you early access to all of our shows. $10 gets you into the supporters club of our Discord server. You can listen to races live as they happen. We'll stream them in our Discord server. You can listen to these episodes live before they're being recorded. And you get early access to the YouTube video version as well. Which we're going to start recording as of next week. So that'll be fun. Um, so yep. yeah. yeah. So yeah. Hopefully l- less editing time, faster turnarounds. Hopefully shorter shows as well, so we can burst them out and more video content. Everybody's a winner. So yeah, consider it chapter three of Motorsport 101. So that'll be next week. Until then, I've been Andre Harrison. They've been Ryan Eric King. Happy birthday, sir. RJ O'Connell and Cam Buckley. Until next time. Thanks for listening. And sayonara. Stay safe, y'all. Bye. All aboard the Daytona Roval train. You are the world champion. That was exciting.